I also have a story to tell. We all do. And deep down, I've always wanted to share my message with the world. And for the longest time, I didn't write for myself. I did ghostwriting. You know, that's essentially what a copywriter is, a ghostwriter for your favorite expert in in the industry or authority in the space. And I realized that I was working behind projects and under people. And I did feel fulfilled. I did feel satisfied, but maybe about 90, 95%. I knew that in order to be in complete and utter alignment, I would also have to put myself out there. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea Reif, and this podcast covers lifestyle, travel, mindset, manifestation, and entrepreneurship. Today's episode is with Ness McIntosh, the founder of Woo With Words, and you are going to love this conversation, especially if you are an entrepreneur, someone who's trying to start a business, or you have a business and you're just feeling really stuck and unclear about what your next steps are, because it might have to do with messaging and marketing, which is exactly what Ness is an expert in. She actually has her PhD in linguistics, so she's a doctor in linguistics, and she coaches on self-expression, messaging, and marketing. Her feed, Woo With Words, like I'm obsessed with it. You need to run there right now and check it out. If you've followed my non-expert opinion pod page, most of my regrams are from her page. I started following her graphics and I was like, who is this woman? I love her graphics and her message. And I actually found out she was in Bali at the same time I was in Bali last year. And we connected, we were trying to get the interview set up, the pandemic happened and everything kind of just turned on its head. And we've been in touch really trying to get it off the ground. And she made a good point when we re-recorded this was that now was the time to actually record because her message is so strong now and so refined in what she's doing. And she's really embodying the self-expression piece. So we talk about that today. We talk about what self-expression is, why that may be the number one thing that's missing in your business and how to overcome it, how Ness works with her clients through that, and then why she actually got her doctorate in linguistics. It's actually a really touching story and you are going to be so motivated by her. She also tells us how to write a book. So yeah, if you've been looking into that, get your notepad out and take some notes because she tells you how to outline it, how to break out the chapters, how to write a book proposal. Because I know this year I heard so many people wanted to start writing a book. And to me, I was like, that just sounds so overwhelming. I don't even know what the first step would be. And she outlines that for us. So it is such a valuable conversation. I know you're going to love her and check her out. Woo with words. She's also offering a special discount to my listeners. So it actually expired last week and she, she extended it just for my listeners. So anybody that's listening now, you are getting a lucky deal. It's 29% off of her services, which I will link in the show notes. So make sure to check that out. It's a huge savings, like $800, I think. So yeah, she is very generous, very kind, and you're going to love this conversation again, especially if you're an entrepreneur or thinking of starting a business. 
Now, if you're a first time listener, I always give quick little updates on my life. I have been living quite a crazy life the last two years. I moved to Australia after quitting my corporate job in America, where I was making really good money. I was working odd jobs in Australia. I eventually started my business and met my boyfriend there. And then I moved to Germany. So right now I'm in Germany and I am taking German lessons. I am back here after spending three months in America. I've taken 12 COVID tests. Yes, 12. Um, I've had COVID twice in Florida and yeah, things were pretty fucking crazy. So right now in Germany, I'm just trying to like settle down, create structure, create routine, get back into the swing of things with work and also create playtime. And playtime is so important for me now because anybody that's listening that starts a business can relate to this. Your business is something that you're so obsessed with and it's like an extension of you that it can be really hard to take a break from it. And so I'm really trying to incorporate things that have absolutely nothing to do with work every day. So whether that's watching a reality TV show or sketching or dancing or something that's silly that has nothing to do with like winning or posting or getting ahead, that's really important to me now. So I really want to start sketching again. I used to do it a lot. I actually took a class in college around it and it was so fun for me. And it, it's just one of those things that I really do feel like talking about self-expression. That's a way I self-express. So I wanted to share that because a lot of times I think with all the influencer content going out and morning routines being such a big discussion, which is so funny, a lot of people feel behind or guilty when they don't have a strict morning routine. You know, if they're not juicing and doing breath work and meditation and walking and doing all these different things, they start to feel like, what am I doing? Like, I guess I'm useless. I should be more productive. And then it adds to that hustle mentality of like, yeah, you got to wake up at 5am and do all these things and go to work, then be productive. And I just don't think that's sustainable. I also don't think that's healthy. I think we need to tap into what we like to do as children and really expand on that. And that's why sketching right now is popping up for me because I was like, I love doing that stuff. I was so artsy in high school and college. I actually went to the school of the arts when I was 13 and it was all about like dancing and art and creating. And that's why I want to share because maybe your morning routine doesn't need to be breathwork and meditation. Maybe you need to go grab a paintbrush or a sketchbook or turn on some music. And that's, what's going to change the energy in the morning for you to have motivation and lift your mood because how you spend your days is what makes up the quality of your life. And that's, a, I think, a whole podcast I'm going to do soon. So speaking of that, I wanted to discuss a bit about my one-on-one coaching, which is open right now. This morning routine conversation is something that I've been having a lot with my clients. They do feel some shame or guilt if they're not productive. And it makes me sad because I'm like, how are you not productive? You're doing so much stuff. Like you are a wife, a daughter, a mother, a sister, a, a worker, a business owner, so many things. And because they don't do certain things that other people do and they compare themselves to other people, they start to feel really, really behind. So something that I focus on in my specific coaching is let's focus on the quality of your life and your days and what works for you. I am not going to tell you, you know, here's 10 steps and 10 things to do. I want to know what do you like to do? What lights you up? What fills you up? And we really have to start with that by identifying what areas of your life are holding you back. So the first phase of my coaching is identify, building that self-awareness. If you don't know anything of like what you want out of your life or your desires or what triggers you or what lights you up, we need to find that. So we do work together to figure those things out. And awareness is the key to healing. Like that is the first step. The second step is reprogram. And I work a lot with subconscious reprogramming using evidence-based tools, 
things like reframing, meditation, visualization, journaling, mind mapping. And I've been throwing some examples up on my Instagram if you want to check that out. But these are really important so that you have a toolbox yourself that you can dip into and use whenever you need. And then the last phase is integration. You all know I'm an integration fan in terms of baby steps. I don't think you should just take on a big project and try to, you know, overcome it in one day. So for example, when we're talking about the quality of your life and you want to incorporate meditation, I don't think you should start meditating for like 30 minutes a day, every day and expect that to be sustainable. It's just not. So for me, my clients, I would say, let's start with like one minute every day. And if that's even too much, just start with like five minutes once a week. And then from there we build. So we really work together to identify what that integration piece is and how you can take action so that when the coaching relationship ends, you're fully equipped to shift your mindset, to have the emotional resiliency, to get you through hard times, to build that self-trust and intuition. These are really big things that I focus on. So if I were to pick like three things I help with most, it probably is self-trust confidence and emotional resiliency. So for example, if someone doesn't get a job that they wanted or something went bad, or they had a fight with their boyfriend, whatever the case is, working on building through that toolkit that we, we developed together to bring out the emotions that you need to regulate, like emotional regulation is a better word so that you don't have outbursts or say something that you don't mean or end up in a, you know, dark cloud, deep hole that you don't want to be in for three months. It's really about building this optimistic lens, which you can view life through. So if you are interested in one-on-one coaching, you can DM me at Chelsea Rife. You can fill out the application, which I will put in my show notes, or you can just head to my website and fill out an application there. I am still taking on three more clients. And once those spots are filled, I will not be enrolling again until fall. And I'm also closing the enrollment at the end of March. So if you are interested, reach out to me. We will see if this is a fit for you, if this is a good step and figure out how I can support you. So yeah, I would love to hear from you. And if you need to work out something like a custom payment plan with me, if you're worried about timing, if you just think this is going to be too much, let's have a conversation because we can talk through that. My coaching is not meant to overwhelm you. It's not meant to just shove a bunch of things in your face and say, figure it out. It's actually to work within your schedule. So for example, if you're a new mom, being flexible with your schedule and understanding when to schedule calls and not giving you too many assignments. If you're someone that's like ready to dive in head first and you want to do a ton of things, okay, then maybe I'll say, let's try this book to read, or let's try these exercises every day. It's totally about meeting you where you're at and not me just overwhelming you with a ton of content. So I hope that clears a few questions up. And if you are interested, I would absolutely love to hear from you. So again, you can just reach out to at Chelsea Rife or my website, ChelseaRife.com. All right. With that, let's dive into today's episode with Ness McIntosh, the founder of Woo With Words. Okay, everybody, I am here with Woo With Words founder, Vanessa McIntosh. Wow, we have a weird backstory where we actually met on a Facebook group in Bali. Now we are totally in different places. I am currently in Germany, you're in the UK, and here we are connecting online for a podcast. And so much has changed since we last connected in 2020. Can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about Woo With Words? For sure. So I'm Ness. I go by Ness rather than Vanessa. I am an award-winning doctor of neurolinguistics and owner and founder of Woo With Words, which is an agency which provides messaging and marketing services to 
online educators and coaches in the personal development and spiritual growth space or self-improvement industry, right? So we've worked with some of the best in the business, authors, speakers, and so on and so forth. So yeah, I'm really excited to be on the podcast finally and talk about stuff. I cannot wait. And Woo With Words, you have the cutest branding. I mean, your page is so Instagrammable. I'm always resharing the graphics. I love it. Can you tell us a little bit about the doctor angle? Because you actually have your PhD in linguistics. Tell us about how you obtained that degree and why. I actually never planned to go into that domain of inquiry. And in fact, I never planned on doing a PhD in the first place. Honestly, I thought that would be boring beyond belief. But My ex-boyfriend back in 2012 got into a bike accident that left him with a traumatic brain injury that rendered him comatose. And when he awoke from his coma, he was unable to speak. And I really struggled with the fact that he was like unable to express himself, that he had something to say, but wasn't able to say it physically, right? He lacked the... This, the motor neuron skills. So I embarked on a PhD because I thought I can't help him, but I might be able to help other people like him by studying the subject because there wasn't that much information out there about the brain and language and extraction and expression of messages. So I studied linguistics. I actually... I won a scholarship to do so based on the origin story, I think, which was really, really cool because it meant that, you know, the the, uh, Arts and Humanities Research Council paid paid for my PhD and paid for the knowledge that I acquired during it. So, yeah, that's how I got into the PhD. I really loved it when I got into it, uh, but it was never part of my plan. Never part of the plan. And now it seems to be such a foundational aspect to what you do. You you mentioned messaging and how that's so different from marketing. So when did the idea of Woo With Words come out? And was that actually the original idea? How did you use the degree after you obtained it? Well, I realized that there were so many entrepreneurs out there and so many entrepreneurs as well, people who hadn't got their businesses off the ground and up and running, who had a problem to solve, that had something to offer the world, And they kind of knew what it was, but they needed to dive deeper. They needed to get a better, more thorough understanding of who they were, what they did and how they could help people, what their key competencies were, what their businesses USPs were, how they would resolve issues, but also how to communicate their offer in a way that made people know, like, trust them enough to buy from them, right? And I realized that, the neuro-linguistic methods that I was studying as part of my PhD had marketing applications. And yeah, I I guess I spotted a gap in the market and felt like I was knowledgeable and expertised enough to fill it. When I first started, I had the education, of course, but I didn't have the experience. So it has been a learning curve. I've kind of been I brought the neuro-linguistic knowledge, but I've been learning all about content marketing as I go and bridging the gap between the two. Absolutely. That's, it's so amazing that you found the gap in the market and then you kind of just launched and adjusted, like you tweaked as you went. And something that we were talking about was 
the tweaking that you've had in the last year is really focusing on messaging. And I feel like a lot of people listening might be like, oh yeah, that's marketing. So how do you discern what's messaging and what's marketing? Okay. So messaging is more about what you want to say and also how to say it. Whereas marketing is about making sure you put plans in place to ensure as many people as possible hear it. So marketing is about your copywriting. It's about your graphic design. It's about your tech. It's about your understanding of growing an audience, nurturing the relationship with that audience through giving value for free in order that people trust you enough when the time comes to make an investment in you and in your business. Um, So messaging is... Really what underpins marketing, messaging for me is the foundations upon which marketing builds. And I now focus a lot on messaging coaching and marketing services because I have, you know, the six to seven figure entrepreneur who knows how to market, but wants to elevate it, who wants to take it to the next level or who just doesn't have the time and energy anymore to invest in that. And so they invest money in it instead and have someone else do it for them. Whereas your messaging coaching is more for someone who's in the earlier stages of their business and they aren't quite clear on what that message is. They need clarity around all those pieces I discussed earlier, who they are, what they do, how they help people. And so what I do is I equip them with that knowledge and understanding of messaging so that any marketing that they do on their own is so much better because it actually has firmer foundations. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm wondering if you could even walk us through a scenario. Like say there's someone listening who very much relates to this and they're like, wow, yeah, I don't know that I have my messaging figured out. I would love to work with Ness. What's like one of the first one to three things that you end up doing with them to help them start building that messaging for themselves? So as part of my messaging coaching container, the six calls, right? So I guess if you identify as having a problem with any of the main four things, then you may benefit from messaging coaching. So call one and call six are the intro and the outro. It's for introducing who you are and what you do and how you help people as much as you know and understand it right now. But then the uh, the second call will go into your key competencies and your business's USPs. We'll try and understand what sets you and your business apart, what makes you and your business stand out from the crowd, how you are different than everyone else out there on the market. So if you're not sure what your point of difference is, then you may have a messaging problem. The second one is about the people you help and the problem you solve, as well as the transformation you create. So that would be if you don't exactly know your niche, if you haven't narrowed down, if you're someone who says, I'm a life coach that creates transformation, or if you say something like, Um, I help people make more money in their business. I'm a business coach, but it's not specific and tangible enough. So through that, we'd get clear on how you take your client from A to B specifically, right? So what um, obstacle does the client have and how do you help them overcome it? So something stronger than I'm a business coach who helps people make more money. Something stronger than that would be I'm an award-winning linguist and I help people make over their messaging so that their marketing is so much more powerful and 
ends up generating more sales and therefore more revenue in the business. It's a lot clearer because it's like actually the messaging is the problem that's preventing people from making the income and also the impact that they desire and they deserve. So that would be the second piece. The third piece is about communicating that offer. So you know you create a transformation, you know specifically how you do that. But then you have to think about how do you communicate that to your audience in a really deep and meaningful way that connects. I walk people through kind of the key components of an offer a client can't refuse. And if you aren't sure on how you can make sure that people who land on your page convert to custom, then that communicating your offer pieces for you. And that might be a messaging problem. And then the fourth thing we dive into is tone of voice. So tone of voice for me is so important and that has to do with messaging rather than marketing. Tone of voice is about what you sound like as a brand. So we're all so concerned about what we look like. We chuck a ton of money getting brand identities and designing graphics in Adobe and Canva, right? We're constantly updating our color palettes, our fonts, our typography, but not enough people pay enough mind to how they sound as well. So their, I guess, their verbal branding as well as their visual branding. So we'll get really clear on what your business is and what your business isn't, what you do and don't sound like, the words and phrases you think are appropriate for your brand and the ones you think aren't. Like, for example, you'll never find us at Woo saying things like hun or vibes or fabulous or anything particularly girly or trendy we're very much like a 70s retro brand and we'll like that to come through in the language that we use as well speaking of tone of voice though people have multiple brands like i actually have a yoga brand i have my podcast brand i have my personal brand so my personal brand maybe i speak differently than my podcast brand but then it's like the podcast is me so i'm curious your take on that can you have multiple tones of voices with multiple brands that you run Yeah, absolutely. And you should, because every brand should have its own identity. So as human beings, we have our own identities, right? So I have my personal identity beyond my business, beyond my professional life. And that tone of voice of Vanessa comes through so much more on my personal brand, which is Dr. Vanessa McIntosh, than it does in Woo With Words, because Dr. Vanessa McIntosh, with it being a personal brand, is more about me, whereas Woo With Words is more about my clients, okay? And Woo With Words, we've made it a super fun, a super playful, real bold brand. It's actually retro too. So as I said, I'm a neurolinguist and neurolinguistics was founded in the 70s. So because neurolinguistics was founded in the 70s, we've went for a 70s aesthetic. So that's the reason why we have that look and feel. But because we have that look and feel, we also have to have that sound. So I use words and phrases on with words that I wouldn't necessarily use on Dr. Vanessa McIntosh. So on Dr. Vanessa McIntosh, it might be a little bit more natural to me saying, I'm so excited. Whereas on We With Words, I would say, I'm so psyched. On Dr. Vanessa McIntosh, I might say, that's amazing. But on We With Words, I would say, that's awesome. That's rad. You know? Makes total sense. I love that. And then you've talked a little bit about self-expression and it seems like that's really what your focus is on and really helping clients with self-expression, which makes sense because it's so tied to messaging. Where did you identify that that might be 
the deeper layer that people are missing? Okay, so I would say that self-expression problems lie in between messaging and marketing problems. So I still help people with their messaging. I still help people with their marketing. But self-expression kind of lies between the two. It's when people lack the confidence to take their message to market. If you have self-expression problems, then you may be unsure of yourself and your abilities. You might have imposter syndrome. You might be really preoccupied with other people's perceptions of you, what they think about you, what they say about you to their peers. That might be a real concern of yours. And people with self-expression problems often lack the willingness or ability to put themselves out there online to sell themselves and their services at all. So I noticed this was a problem when I started working with entrepreneurs as well as entrepreneurs and also more shy, timid entrepreneurs versus the ones who are super confident and really comfortable kind of being sent stage versus behind the scenes, really comfortable putting themselves out there. So on my books for marketing services, I have a lot of big names who've been in the industry for a while. I also have a lot of educators and coaches that were originally actresses. So they, of course, are a little bit more extroverted or a little bit, yeah, more comfortable, like I say, kind of showing up online. But then you do have the people who are more like me, naturally, more introverted, a bit more shy. And I noticed that they're the people who... Even if we help them with their messaging, even if we help them with their marketing, it could be wasted time and energy because they don't do anything with it. They worry about being perfect and so they procrastinate. And what that means is that they often never ends up being put in front of people's eyes, right? So I realized that if I really wanted to help people, not just with their messaging and marketing, but taking their message to market, then I might need to help them hone and develop the self-expression piece as well. What about you? Like, did you ever notice, I feel like I'm not being fully self-expressed or really hitting this messaging that I, I want to really express my full being? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I also have a story to tell. We all do. And deep down, I've always wanted to share my message with the world. And for the longest time, I didn't write for myself. I did ghostwriting. You know, that's essentially what a copywriter is, a ghostwriter for your favorite expert in, in the industry or authority in the space. And I realized that I was working behind projects and under people. And I did feel fulfilled. I did feel satisfied, but maybe about 90, 95%. I knew that in order to be in complete and utter alignment, I would also have to put myself out there. I kind of knew all the tools, techniques, tips and tricks, but I wasn't putting that theory into practice. I wasn't like implementing or integrating in my own life. And I realized that, you know, my background was academia. I used to teach offline in universities. There was no reason why I shouldn't also be educating people. And I knew that I could serve more people who had maybe smaller budgets if I offered education and coaching as well as done for you services, because not everyone can afford to have you on retainer. And our, our retainers start at a thousand pounds a month, which, you know, isn't always an investment someone's able to make, especially in the early stages of building their business. So I knew that I needed to solve my self-expression problems if I really 
was going to feel like I was pursuing my purpose. And I think if I'm really, truly honest with myself, I've always wanted to be seen, be heard, be understood, as we all have from a young age. When I was a child, I used to write books on my typewriter and send it off to publishers, you know, under the age of 10. I used to sing, I used to dance, I used to act. So I was really into performing and expressive arts. And I wasn't kind of flexing that muscle anymore. So I wasn't 100% happy or experiencing the joy that I did when I was young. So I guess, yeah, in answer to your question, I have diverted a little. Yeah, I did have my own self-expression problems. I think we all do to some degree. And I needed to do some deep work on my worth in order that I could show up in the way that I am now and will continue to do. I almost got a little emotional when you were talking about what you used to do when you're younger and how it how it kind of just started to fade because I can relate to that. And I know so many people can relate. And it's something I even tell my clients is, you know, what did you do as a child that made you happy? Like we used to dance and play in the mud and scream and sing. And now it's like, you have to be perfect. You have to do this. You have to do this. You have to have this routine. And then people start feeling very watered down. And I remember feeling the same way. Like I just feel like a watered down you know, lights off version of myself. And that's when I feel like that word alignment comes in where I was like, I don't feel aligned. Like something is off. Where can I fix that? And it was when I started like showing more of myself and my life in Germany and my boyfriend and who I really am. And I like to get fake nails, like all these random things that I was like, this is me. I don't need to show everybody the polished version of me. And you were saying how you did work around worth and you will continue to do it to work on that self-expression, can you share some of the practices or things that have really helped you in this journey? Yeah, for sure. So I guess I found that my self-expression problems were most prevalent um, around six areas or pillars. So I did work in each of those specific areas with a focus on self-expression. So the first was identity and self really kind of, I had so many existential crises, as so many people do as a teen or in their early 20s. Who am I? Why am I here? So I did a lot of work around that because oftentimes we don't want to show up online to share who we are because we don't really know who we are. And so we're being who we think we're supposed to be we're kind of replicating other people and their success rather than coming back to center and remembering what makes us us so I did work around that I also did work around purpose because if you don't know your purpose if you don't know your reason for being on planet earth then how can you feel comfortable sharing that right? If you don't feel like you are on the right path, if you're kind of going off course or off track, then you don't want to tell people about that. It doesn't feel good. So I got really clear on my purpose and did that ikigai exercise, you know, the Japanese exercise. did that and that really, really helped. Um, The third was creativity. So really 
focused on expressing myself creatively through different mediums. Sometimes it was through writing, sometimes it was through design, but because those were for work, I found the most value expressing myself through singing, through dancing. Um, I did curtain chanting. I found that really beneficial. And I think probably because it exercises the throat chakra, which governs kind of using your voice and speaking your truth. I did a lot of tantra. I'm getting really comfortable in my body with my sensuality and sexuality. So it was, yeah, identity, purpose, creativity, communication. For me, expressing myself was a real problem in relationships, at home, at work. A a lot of my self-expression problems had to do with not honouring my wants and needs and putting other people's above my own, prioritising them instead of myself, which ended up being very self-sacrificial. You could say I was just a classic people pleaser. And yeah, those are four of them. There's something you bring up to Kirtan, which is like, it just hit me because I did that in um, Bali. And I remember my friends went in yoga training and I was like, what the hell is Kirtan? I'm not doing that. I'm not going to just go randomly sing in a room with people. And they were like, no, Chelsea, it was like moving. We cried. And I'm like, yeah, not for me. And I did it. And to your point, it literally felt like something got unblocked in my throat. Like I felt this weight lifted off my chest, my shoulders. It was like, wow, because you know why I'm singing just to express myself, not to win a prize, not to win a contest. Mm -hmm. Like I'm purely expressing myself. So I really appreciate those specific examples because a lot of times people don't know what to do. Like they want to express themselves, but they're like, where the hell do I start? And those were really, really helpful. I know too, we've talked about relationships and I think maybe intimacy and vulnerability are parts of Mm self-expression. And you mentioned how you were actually doing something a bit different last year than you are now with your focus to business. Now the self-expression piece is coming in. Like how have relationships shaped what you're doing now? Oh God. So many, (laughs) so many changes have been made in my relationships in business and beyond. So yeah, thanks for um, filling that gap there. Vulnerability and intimacy is one of the pillars as is visibility and visibility is what's required for vulnerability and intimacy. Obviously you need to expose yourself not physically right (laughs) although do you but mentally and emotionally you have to kind of share yourself in order to create connections with another so I guess for me in business I have bettered my relationships with some I have ended relationships and I've called in new connections so I now express what I want and need, what I hope of and dream for. If I, I guess it's what it really comes down to or what it really came down to for me was setting and upholding boundaries that served me. I found that before I'd done the worth work, I added value to my services by being available 24-7 around the clock. I would you know have ridiculous hours of operation and modes of communication I didn't work nine to five I worked every evening every weekend and modes of communication you know typically people offer slack or voxer well my clients had my personal whatsapp number and that wasn't really serving me and so I set boundaries around that some people 
were very gracious, you know, accepting of my boundaries. That makes perfect sense. Other people less so, but I'm really pleased that I set them and upheld them because even if you do that and lose a few people along the way, the people you lose aren't your people, you know? Um, So it's helped me in business in that regard. It's also helped me in my personal life in that I now don't just bury myself in work. I'm now much more intimate and vulnerable with others. And that has led to me ending up in my first relationship of, I guess, five or six years. And what's even more interesting, and I'm really excited to share this, is that this relationship isn't with a man, but with a woman. Because now, not only am I, I, I expressing my wants and my needs, I'm expressing my deep desires as well. And I guess I'd always liked women, but hadn't been forthcoming about it. So I'm really pleased I've done this work because it helps me in my personal life as well as my professional one. That is so amazing to hear that your truest, deepest desires started coming through when you were expressing yourself And maybe it wasn't in the package you thought, it's in a package that's even better than you could have imagined, which is such a testament to the work that you've done and and really calling in a relationship. And it sounds like the boundaries piece was a major factor. It's something that I think a lot of people hear the word boundaries and it sounds really harsh. Like, oh, you have to cut people off or block them or be so, you know, direct. And I'm curious, how are some ways that you set boundaries both professionally? You've talked a little bit about working outside of hours, but what about personally? Like, how can you really uphold and stick to your boundaries? So for me, I have boundaries around my time. So, you know, we can always make more money. We can't make more time. So for me, as a resource, time is much more expensive and valuable than money is. So I'm quite protective of that. So a way in which I might set a boundary is if a friend calls and I'm unwilling or able to take that call for whatever reason, maybe I'm busy, maybe I'm not, but I would prefer to do something else. I'll send them a text message back and say, hey, I can't take a call right now. Let's pencil in a more appropriate time. And when I first started doing that, I thought, wow, is that heartless? It's not. It's necessary. Otherwise, I'd find myself at work all day, but then also after work holding space a lot. So I set boundaries around that. I also am a psychic medium and I read the tarot cards and I read natal charts, hence why it's called woo with words, because there is a spiritual side to the science. But I found that I was giving people readings, you know, to my nearest and dearest for free all the time. And that wasn't a good use of my time because I could be spending it working and earning an income, generating revenue. And so I started saying, of course, I would love to read for you, but the investment for that would be X. I think for me, the best way to communicate your boundaries in a kind, compassionate, loving, caring way is to do so whilst explaining why there's a need for that boundary and how it's going to help you. So, for example, if I was setting a boundary at work, and I did have to do this, where I would no longer work by the hour, and instead I would work on retainer, whereby the client would pay a fixed amount ahead of the month to retain a certain number of hours within that month, and I would communicate it like this. I value 
stability and security. Therefore, I can't work by the hour anymore because it doesn't afford me that. It actually feels much more safe for me to instill retainers because then I know that my work and my income is guaranteed and that makes me feel really good. So rather than, no, I won't work by the hour, how dare you for asking? It's thanks for asking. Unfortunately, the answer to your question is no, because these things are important to me and I'm not willing to neglect or abandon my needs as a human being. I feel when you communicate it in that way, people are much more receptive to your boundaries. And then boundaries don't have to be a negative thing. You can see that they're being put in place for a positive reason. This is so helpful. If anybody could see our video, I'm just like nodding my head along because these are all (laughs) such good lessons for the beginning entrepreneurs too, because it's true. We take on so much. Everybody wants everything for free. We work on weekends. We work late. And not only does it affect obviously our income, but our health, like our health is so deteriorated. If you're doing all that, I'm curious, did you ever experience that in your entrepreneurship journey? Anything with like health and boundaries were those related at all? Absolutely. Like working every single hour of every single day is not healthy and it will not make you happy. It just won't. And I actually wound up in hospital because I was so burnt out and that, that can happen, you know, that could happen to you if you're listening as well. And it really highlighted the importance to me of having boundaries in my business. So I actually, after ending up in hospital, discovered that I have workaholism. So I am actually addicted to working. There was a point at which my work was no longer just passion, but compulsion. And so I realized that I needed to get that in check. I needed to get into an anonymous, it's called Workaholics Anonymous, and set some bottom lines, which are essentially boundaries around work to protect myself. Now I'm able to work much more happily, much more healthily from a, from a place of passion rather than compulsion. But I still go to weekly meetings to keep that in check. And that's so common. And I think it's actually pretty damaging, this hustle and grow culture because workaholism is still an addiction but it's celebrated right you know alcoholism isn't celebrated drug addiction isn't celebrated but if you are in the 5am club and work 12 hours a day bossing your business then people see you as being like a CEO who's absolutely killing it And unfortunately, I wasn't. I was absolutely killing myself. Yeah, um, it's important to me that I share that because I, I guess there'll be so many people out there who have workaholism as well, but aren't aware that they do because they get praised for the way in which they're working right now, even though it could be doing them damage. Wow, this is so helpful to hear because I don't know that anybody really understands that workaholism was a true disease. You know, it sounds like a 
like a trendy, like, oh, I'm a perfectionist. I'm a workaholic. But it seems like it was actually, like you said, killing you. Like your health system, your immune system is not built to work 12 hours a day and exert brain power and energy. And also as women, we have cycles. Like we go through waves of energy that we need to honor. And cycle tracking is something I've really been into because I notice, like, I'm not going to schedule uh, an intensive course right in the middle of being menstrual because it just doesn't make sense. And to your point in the past, I would have just been like, Oh, but it's like push through, look at you. You're launching 12 things this month. You you're killing it. And it's like, for what, <laughs> like for my health to deteriorate. And I actually find the more you rest and, and recover and play, the more income actually comes through because you're letting that space come in to breathe and have new ideas and creativity. Yeah. Like opportunities, yes. possibility, all of that. Because how can they come your way if you haven't, as you say, created the space for them to slot into? You know, it makes no sense. I think of everything now as a, a flower in a garden. Like you plant the seed, you water the flower, you you take a step back, you keep watering it, you give it sunshine, and then it so- grows to be like a sturdy sunflower. You don't put a fire hose on it as it's a seed <laughs> and be like, why the hell isn't this growing to the beautiful sunflower? It's like, it needs space. It needs to breathe. It needs sunshine. I'm like, I treat myself and my business now like a sunflower because it's like, I need that harvest time. I need the space. I need the sunshine. And, and it seems like that's really helped you as well in understanding, like I need help and, and asking for help. I think that's a really big deal that you had the awareness to say, like, I would like a community, a group of people to help me to support, support me in this, which is really admirable. Yeah, for sure. In your um, signature, in your email, and I feel like it's kind of like your signature tagline too, talks about income and impact. And in 2020, everybody's business model kind of shifted or turned upside down or people started new businesses. How was your income and impact affected over the last year? Positively. Honestly, I think given the space that I'm in, which is self-improvement, that business boomed in that area because people had time and space to dedicate to their personal development, to their professional growth, to their spiritual development and growth as well. And as a result, my clients were busier, which meant they needed more support in the form of marketing services. I also um, saw more of a need for the message and coaching because there were lots of people who wanted to be entrepreneurs but weren't yet and just needed to get clear or clarity around what offer, what transformation they provide. So yeah, it, it affected me positively in terms of impact. People helped and income, money made. I scaled the business to six plus figures during lockdown over the past year. You know, um, agencies are notoriously difficult to sell, to scale versus educational and coaching companies. But yeah, we did. And But what I will say is that it affected me negatively in terms of the workaholism. I feel like working from home and not even being able to go to a coffee shop put a lot of pressure on me to work 24-7. And I think because I started, because pre-lockdown, I was a one-man band. I was a freelancer. It was through lockdown that I started building out my team. And I think... In building out my team, that put me under a lot of pressure because I wasn't just responsible for my own income. I was responsible for that of the people working for me as well. So I think that affected my workaholism. 
Uh, so yeah, a couple, couple of little pieces. So one, yeah, on the whole positive, it positively affected impact and income, but it negatively affected workaholism. So I really had to keep that in check. Yeah. And thank you for sharing, because I know a lot of people grew their business during lockdown. Like you said, a lot of people wanted to actually take that time to, to self-develop their, their skills, their passions. But to your point, it, it's very hard to set a boundary when your your office is your workspace, which is your living space, which is your kitchen. It's like your mind is like, where do I go? Like, I don't know when to turn it off. So again, I really appreciate you opening up about that side too. And also, I think the pandemic put up, put us under a, a lot of pressure to perform anyway, regardless of whether we were at home as our place of work or outside of our living situation and for me it was because 2020 proved that you never know what's around the corner and so I was wanting to earn as well as save I was quite careful with how much I was spending and invest and and investing beyond the team because I wanted to kind of protect revenue because you know your business is an asset and you know if something else went wrong you know, if the pandemic got worse, if my educators, if my coaches stopped getting clients, then that would have a knock-on effect on our income, our revenue. And so I think I put myself under a lot of pressure to work longer, to work harder, to have, I guess, a safety net so that, you know, if we did fall off the cliff, then, you know, we would be saved. So yeah, I think that's probably been something for other people as well, right? Yeah. How do you manage that now? You have a team and you are scaling and you are really diving into the self-expression and messaging. So how do you manage it all? Because you're in the UK, which is still very much in a lockdown. So can you walk us through that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my team's remote for the most part. I actually live with my CBO and we didn't. We live together because of lockdown. So I guess that's been another pressure on the, the pair of us and the company. But yeah, we we run the business via Slack, which is the communication software. I think I mentioned it earlier. Everyone that I work with is on my time zone, more or less. My assistant actually lives in Corfu. So I think she's two hours ahead, but for the most part that works. Everyone else is working from home anyway, so we're no different. But I think what's been the most beneficial for me was getting into WA because I no longer converse with clients on WhatsApp anymore. I do, but on my business phone, I have a work phone and I have a home phone now, which is really great for having a physical boundary. I also have an out of office on that phone, which means that after six, it sends an automated WhatsApp message, a bit like an email, which says, you know, my hours of operation are nine until six. You can expect a response within 24 hours during um, working hours. And besides that, I've set bottom lines in WA that I don't work evenings, that I don't work weekends. Regardless, work can wait. And I think because I then had to set those bottom lines or boundaries about around when I should and shouldn't work, what that meant was that I stopped wasting time and energy in the way that I was before. I got much more intentional and purposeful and started working a lot smarter so that I actually get the same amount of work done or more because, again, more intentional, more more purposeful, but equally, I'm making time for rest and play, which means that when I come back to work, I'm clear. 
you know my mind's clear I can think straight and that makes all the difference that's so valuable and helpful to hear I love the autoresponder and explaining your hours because to your point to a lot of us are in different time zones and I think we already are accustomed to being in react mode like you wake up and you react to an email to a partner to this to that so for you to set that clear boundary of here are my work hours you can expect a response in 24 hours i think it also prompts a level of respect from your client where they know like they know where they stand they know here's nessa's work hours and i feel like it it actually like increases the respect in the client coach relationship yeah and i think what's important to point out is that you know these expectations that we think other people have of us are just our perception like my clients did not expect me to work evenings or weekends but i put that pressure on myself because i was a people pleaser it was not their fault it was mine it wasn't that my clients didn't respect my boundaries it's that i didn't have the respect for myself enough to set and uphold them in the first place. So I think that's something to think about and feel into if you're listening and you're really struggling and thinking they expect this from me, they expect that from me because likely they don't. Yeah. Like you said, most people do not expect you to be answering in the middle of a Sunday or, you know, late Friday night at night in general. So that's so such a good point. Something you brought up earlier was when you were younger, you were writing manuscripts and like sending them to publishers. And now you actually are writing a book. Can you tell us everything like the process? What is it going to be about? I mean, I think writing a book to me just sounds like such a big project. So I would love even micro steps of like how you started to outline this book. It sounds so fun and interesting. Absolutely. I mean, I've written a book before and that from a PhD, I had to write a 100,000 word thesis, which is, you know, lots of personal development books are only 50,000 words. So I essentially wrote two books in one. So I'm kind of used to writing on demand. I also think I have an advantage in that I am a professional copywriter and writing a book isn't all that different, right? It's just taking, you know, the captions or the emails you ordinarily write and expanding upon them and making them link. So I actually set aside a Friday every single week to work on the book and that's non-negotiable. In order to map it out, I found it easier to work section by section and then chapters within those sections and sub-chapters within those sections. So for me, the book's on self-expression. So for me, it was really important that I dove into the consequences of not expressing yourself in business and beyond So people could really understand the gravity. It doesn't just lead to unfulfillment and dissatisfaction professionally if you aren't expressing yourself, but it can mean that you are unable to attain or sustain a romantic relationship. It can affect relationships with family members, with friends. And as a result of repressing your thoughts, your feelings, your hopes, your dreams, your desires, you can wind up with... I guess illnesses, you can wind up with mental and physical manifestations. So mental would be your anxiety, depression. And for me, as far as addiction, you can wind up with health complaints. So lots of people end up with stomach issues as a result of the stress of not expressing. Lots of people wind up with skin issues. I actually wound up with an autoimmune disease, which I 100% believe was a result, a direct result of repressing pain and trauma. So 
it was important that I touched on all of those things and it made sense that that was one section, consequences, right? So from there, I then had another section. So we've got consequences of not expressing yourself and then also the reason why you don't express yourself. So for me, there's a couple of underlying reasons. You've got feeling not enough or rather my experience was feeling too much, And as a result of feeling that way, um, really fear and rejection, you know, like not putting yourself out there, not selling yourself and your services on social or on your site because you worry that people won't find you lovable, that people won't find you acceptable. Um, So that's the main problem that I work my clients through is the fear of rejection. The fear of rejection is what makes people stop expressing. And then the third section is actually the solution to the self-expression problem and kind of all the areas in which I had to do work. And so I walk my client through each of those things step by step as we touched on before. We've got your self and identity, we've got creativity, we've got purpose, we've got visibility, we've got vulnerability and intimacy. And then we've got communication and connection. So if you are struggling with where to start with writing a book, I'd think, what are the three things that you want people to know? What are the three logical steps? So for me, consequences to really express the importance of the work, the reason why they have this problem in the first place, and then the solution to that problem. Then the organization of chapters and subchapters should come a lot easily. A lot lot more easily, rather. I also recommend mapping it out on Trello or something visual, like a visual software like that, so you can see how it would be organized. And then you can drag and drop, drag and drop. Um, And for me, it's more making the time and space, making time and space to think about and feel into what you want to write and then making time for the act of writing itself. That's so important. I love that. This is extremely helpful. Like I'm going to listen back to this and take notes because I used to just think like you brain dumped a book in like two weeks and then just, you know, have someone look over and edit and then it's like out the door. So to say that you actually set aside a Friday every week, non-negotiable, it's you've outlined it, you've mapped it out. You're taking that larger concept and breaking it out into smaller concepts, which is how you're able to do it. So when can we actually expect this book to come out? Like, I want you to tell us everything about it. So I am expecting it to come out within about a year. I don't have a publisher. So if anyone's listening and wants to publish my book, (laughs) I know which which publishers I'm shooting for. I am actually working with a developmental editor on the proposal, and we're going to be submitting that proposal via an agent to a number of personal development and professional development publishers. The reason why I say 12 months is that's the minimum turnaround time for books. So say my proposal is accepted tomorrow, you wouldn't expect to see it on the shelves until this time next year, at least. Sometimes it's as many as two years. So do bear that in mind. You don't actually have to have a finished manuscript unless you write in a memoir. The reason you need a finished manuscript for a memoir is because, you know, it's not always that actionable. So they want to make sure that the story is really deep and meaningful. Um, But if it's a personal development book you're writing or a spiritual growth book you're writing, and it's based on the work that you already do and you're already creating transformations for clients in a coaching capacity, then all you need is a proposal. So, you know, if we have time, I can walk you through kind of what a book proposal looks like for anyone who's interested. Yeah, because I know 
I feel like 2020, all of a sudden, everybody was like, I want to write a book. I'm going to write a book. And I think that would actually be really interesting. Yeah. So you normally submit like a cover letter introducing who you are and what you do. But then you also have a big pack and you don't need the full book. You normally need about three chapters, three sem- two or three sample chapters of around 3,500 to 5,000 words in length. So you would only really need to write 15,000 words maximum of your book to present it to a publisher. Alongside that, though, you need to work on the about the author. You need kind of really detailing your education and your experience and why you're the person to write this book, because this book could be written by anyone. They could just take the idea and have someone more authoritative or expertise write it. So about the author, also about the market. In this digital day and age, you're responsible for the marketing of your book and its book sales. So you want, you know, the one, they want to know like the size of your audience. How many people have you got on uh, social? How many people have you got on your mailing list? Of those people, what's the demographic? Why would they read your book? And what is your proposed plan to make sure people read it? If you don't have a large audience, I actually don't because I spend so much time working in my business that I don't always have enough to work on it and um, provide the same service to myself. What you can actually do is, Put your proposed plan. So, for example, if you have a list builder and it's 50p per lead and you have £1,000 ad spend budget per month, you could argue that you would have 2,000 people per month on your mail being added to your mailing list. So, by the time the book goes to press, right, it's going to be, you're going to have a list of about 50 50,000 or something along those lines. So that's really helpful. So you're about the market, your proposed plan for taking the book, putting it out there and making sure people buy it. They also want your chapter summaries. So they don't need the full manuscript, but they do need you to really clearly outline the manuscript. So that would be kind of each chapter's title and uh, some information about what they can expect within it. They also want you to do kind of like a competitor analysis So I would look at about five or so books that have been published in the last three years that are similar similar to your book. And you need to analyze the similarities, but also the points of difference that sets your book apart, that makes your book stand out from the crowd. And there may be some other bits and pieces, but I would say they're the main things. So if you're struggling to write your book, you might want to start with, and you also need an overview, of course. So you might want to start with, a one to two page overview of what the book's going to look like. You then might want to start working on your chapter summaries and that's going to be the skeleton. The chapter summaries as you kind of zooming out and looking at the big picture. And then as you're writing the chapters, you can zoom in and work on the finer details. They just want to know that this, what this book's going to look like, how it's going to work in practice as well as theory, and also how many sales they can expect to get because, you know, it is... A business at the end of the day, they want to make sure that they're going to make money from the book that you write. It's not their responsibility to publish something for the sake of it. You have to take ownership of generating yourself and the publisher revenue. Wow, this is so helpful because, again, my idea was like you write a bunch of things in a Google document and then have someone help you like, you know, re-edit it and build out the chapters. And then you submit the like idea to a publisher and then it's out the door. So to hear this broken out so specifically, 
I think is going to help a lot of people because I know so many people were talking about writing books and you just gave us step by step. So thank you so much. That was really, really helpful. You're welcome. I mean, I know so not just because I'm writing my own, but because my audience is authors and speakers. So I've kind of been in the back end of this business, this industry for a really long time. And my personal opinion is if you can create a course like an online program, you can write a book because it's the same process as zooming out, getting the big picture perspective and zooming in, but you can do the zooming in piece later, just two or three chapters, 3,500 to 5,000 words in length, 15,000 words maximum. That's easy. You can do that three chapters, not the whole book. Love that. And I like what you said too, about just taking what you write in captions or emails And a lot of time we limit ourselves because we're like, oh, the word count ran out or this is going to be too long of an email. So to your point, you actually probably have the idea and have the words and it's just sitting down and expanding on it. Yeah. And if you're not sure of the link, I'd really recommend saying, why is this important? So I might say, you know, John had an accident. I rendered him comatose. He wasn't able to express himself due to a physical problem. And I'd go, okay. Why is this relevant? What else is relevant to this? And then I could then think, okay, I can pad this out by saying, I too suffered self-expression problems, but whereas his were physical, mine were mental and emotional. His were external, mine were internal. And then actually that's two captions that I've already written before that I can join together and expand, that I can hone, that I can develop. Another another question is why, why 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 at the end of every at the end of every paragraph why, okay why and you keep going and just prompt prompt yourself. But for me, I think creativity is best managed when it's in structure. It's all very well being a creative, but creatives can be chaotic. You need some order, you need logic, you need reasoning in order to squeeze as much juice out of yourself as possible. So for me, that's why it's necessary that I have my book mapped out so I know what I'm working on. And I also um, find it necessary to have that one day a week so I know when I'm working on it. So for example, I know that in two days time, it's Friday. Friday, I'm working on chapter three, you know, and it's really easy because I sketched out chapter three. I know what the subsections are and I'll get through as many of those as possible. I was going to say the structure piece. That's like how we, how we express ourselves. I think creatives have this, um, this image of being like up late at night and frantically writing and, you know, like just expressing themselves. And it's like, yeah, we need structure. And also to the point before, so we don't burn out or else we're just going to be like a totally burnt out person. Yeah, absolutely. And if you can write captions, if you can write emails and you can write subsections of chapters and all you've got to do is join all of those subsections together, the ones that have relevance make up a chapter. That's it. Wow. I love that. I'm excited. I'm like, Ooh, I'm going to like try and map out a book now because I I've always just thought it was just going to be too big of a task, but it's just breaking it down into smaller tasks. So Thank you for that. This this conversation has been 
So, so helpful. And I would love to end with a question that I ask all my guests. This podcast is called In My Non-Expert Opinion, and clearly you're an expert in linguistics, messaging, and marketing. Is there something you're not an expert in that you wish you were an expert in? Accounting. (laughs) (laughs) I'm great at generating revenue. I'm less great at understanding how to ensure my business is super profitable, super sustainable. You know, I, I, I do lean more towards like science and art, but not mathematics. And I struggle, you know, I've hit the VAT threshold. So not only do I have my usual tax, I have my value added tax, which is different rules because that's what happens when you hit six figures. So I'm really grateful and appreciative that I have to pay it. But I wish I was more knowledgeable and understanding. Of course, because I don't have that skill, I outsource it. But I think I would really benefit as a business owner from understanding, from knowing my numbers more in terms of, you know, revenue and profit. Um, Of course, I understand insights, things like that. But revenue and profit is so important. And I think I'd love to learn more about that. And I expect there are so many other creatives who also don't have that to be their zone of genius, too. Oh, thousand percent. As soon as you said that, I was like, yep, my focus of 2021 is money. Like I'm investing in money courses, coaches, like everything. Cause to your point, I'm like, I'm not, my issue is not creating a course or an outline or something like that. It's, it's managing the money that comes in and understanding where to put it and how it works and how it can sustain itself. So that is something I think almost any entrepreneur or creative listening is probably like, yep, me too. So thank you for sharing. I'm sure you're going to get so many people that want to work with you. And can you explain where you can find you, how you can work with you, how to reach out? You can find me at wowithwords.com. So that's W-O-O withwords.com. Also at wowithwords is our handle. If you want to find my personal account, you can find it through um, the Woo With Words one. You can work with me uh, in a coaching capacity where you can kind of learn how to do things for yourself Or you can work with me in a service provision capacity where we would do things for you. So if you have a marketing problem, it's usually services you want and need. If you have a messaging problem, then it's coaching. Or if you have self-expression problems, so you lack the confidence to take your message to market and really put yourself out there, then self-expression coaching would be for you. And actually, I've just turned 29 and ran an offer on my self-expression coaching, I ran 29% off, which is a significant save and it's almost a third, right? But although that expires today, because it expires today, I do want to offer, I want to extend that special offer to your audience. So if anybody listens to this podcast, wants to work with me and wants to take advantage of the 29% off, just quote it on the application form, which you can find on site or at wooworthwords.com forward slash disco dash chat dash coaching. And just quote it in the bottom in the additional notes and I'll be sure to take the 29% off for you. So it's a saving of around 800 pounds, I think. So it's a significant one. Wow. Thank you so much. That is so kind of you. I know my listeners are definitely going to be applying that and using it. And I am so excited for them to hear this episode. And thank you so much for coming on. I know we covered a lot and every single piece was so valuable. Thank you for having me. It's been a long time coming and I'm so pleased because it's actually ended up happening at just the right time. It feels really divine. 
Yes. Love it. Thank you so much, Nez. Thank you. Bye. Thank you all so much for tuning in this week. I really hope you enjoyed this episode just as much as I did. And if so, be sure to share this in your Instagram stories, tag Ness, tag myself, tag Woo with words, and really just let us know what you thought. Also leave a review. Those are super helpful. And if you do leave one, be sure to send it to me, info at chelsearipe.com, and I will send you a guided meditation. So again, screenshot your review, send it over to info at chelsearipe.com and you will get a guided meditation totally free as a thank you for writing your review about this podcast. All right, everybody, you know where to find me at non-expert opinion pod at Chelsea Rife or chelsearipe.com in my non-expert opinion.com. And with that, I will see you next week. Mm-hmm.